coming to you from beyond the veil, where anything is possible and nothing is beyond your reach, where time and space are figments of your imagination and life is but a dream. Open your minds, open your hearts, and get ready for a one-way trip into the unknown. This is Messages from the Multiverse with Ian R. Anderson, Certified Hypnotherapist. Hello and welcome to Messages from the Multiverse. This is Ian R. Anderson, Certified Hypnotherapist. This is the one-year anniversary episode of the Multiverse Podcast, and I want to thank all my listeners and social media followers, especially those of you who have subscribed, left reviews and ratings, commented and liked our Facebook page and posts, and shared this show with your friends. I also want to thank everyone who has come on as a guest to share their message, their work, their stories, and their passions. I wouldn't be able to do this show without all of you, so thank you. There's a reason why this show has taken a path which has led us through several types of healing, physical, emotional, and spiritual. This reason is that the world is suffering and needs to be healed. The earth, its ecosystems, animals, plants, and people are all in need of a little love and compassion. As spiritual beings, having a physical experience, we have the opportunity for growth and expansion, but we also have to contend with many forces in the world which can bring us down, mislead and misdirect us, harm and traumatize us, etc., and no one is above this fact of life. For this reason, Hypnotropia is offering free first-time sessions for new clients who want to experience the power of their own subconscious minds, the self-healing power of the mind-body-spirit system, or who just want to explore the possibilities and potentials waiting to be released and realized within them. It doesn't matter if you're local to the Encino or Los Angeles areas, or if you're in some distant country. As long as you have a phone or internet connection, you can experience the benefits of hypnotherapy, hypnoshamanism, and therapeutic imagery. Just go to www.hypnotropia.com. That's H-Y-P-N-O-T-R-O-P-I-A.com. And contact us or email me at ian at hypnotropia.com. Or find me on Facebook or Twitter under the at symbol hypnotropia hashtag hypnotropia or hashtag multiverse podcast. And please remember to subscribe, leave your reviews, comments, and suggestions for potential guests. We are easily contacted and love to hear from you. And don't forget about our promo with cymatics, hypnosis and meditation music, and soundscapes. Go to their website and enter the promo code multiverse and get a 40% discount on anything you purchase. They make the most powerful brainwave entrainment, consciousness expanding, mind and body relaxing music that I have ever used. And whether you're a meditator, healer, or therapist, they have what you need. With Cymatics, you will experience the most engulfing patterns of sound and music designed to bring your mind, body, and spirit into calm serenity and expansive awareness. Just go to Cymatics.com, that's P-S-I-M-A-T-I-X.com, or hypnosismeditationmusic.com. We have a really great show planned for you all today on the topic of shamanic soul retrieval, and our guest, Holly Marie, is going to help us understand not only what soul retrieval is and why it's important, but also how it can be used to help us heal ourselves, heal each other, heal our societies, and heal the entire world. Holly Marie of Sacred Heart Ascension helps people get to the heart of what's weighing them down by using ancient multidimensional clearing technologies to uplift people into true empowerment and emotional freedom. Many of her clients seek Holly for deep-rooted ancestral traumas 
that need to be cleared through DNA clearing, inner child work, soul retrievals, entity extractions, and to free themselves of mental slavery. Becoming liberated from negative programming is the key to moving forward. Our bodies are no different than computers when it comes to programming. What we sense or take in through our eyes, ears, and energy field immediately can program a negative or positive outcome in our entire energy body system. Negative programs will eventually manifest into the physical, causing health problems or dis-ease. Dis-ease leads to disease. Holly is a huge advocate of alternative healing and believes that most prescribed medications are not needed and that through reprogramming the belief system, we can gain back our health, mental well-being, and joy. Through the evolution of our ascension process, Holly's clients have become the catalyst for healing long ancestral lines of trauma. She has a great desire and focus on reconnecting the inner child or soul piece lost in this lifetime and other lifetimes. Through the soul retrieval process, Holly has witnessed great change in her clients and believes that we can heal the suffering of the world if this work is done on a mass scale. Holly has worked with the Caro of Peru, Michael Harner Shamanic Institute, Ancient Crystal Skulls, the Rainbow, Czar, ET Skull, and the Dolphin Clan, has been a certified massage therapist since 1998 and has studied crystal healing, Reiki, Theta healing, and attends many conferences to keep up on her knowledge. She can be contacted and found at www.sacredheartascension.com and www.femininegoddessretreats.com. If you're interested in any of her retreats, she has one coming up in February, at the end of February, on the island of Hawaii. It's a women's only empowerment retreat. So any of you women who are interested in that, you can contact her through either one of those websites. So let's connect with Holly Marie right now and find out more about shamanic soul retrieval. I'd like to welcome Holly Marie to Messages from the Multiverse. Hi, Holly. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So where are you uh, Where are you right now on this call? Are you in Oregon? I am in West Lynn, Oregon, which is just south of Portland. Nice. What's the weather like there? We had sun today. Wow. It's been a long time. We've had freezing rain and snow, and today we actually saw the light. <laughs> so uh, tell me, in, in, your, uh, in your understanding, through your understanding, uh, what is a shaman? And you know, here in modern society, being a, a culture without, without much of a shamanic history or shamanic heritage, what role do you see the, the shaman playing in modern society nowadays? So to me, shaman is actually a European word that means seer. But to me, it's kind of a go-to word for the medicine men and women of the ancient tribes. And them being the medicine man or woman who you would go to in that tribe to seek uh, where does the village move next or you know, what physical ailment needs to be healed and so forth. And the shamans kind of kept the, the balance of the land and they were the wisdom keepers. So I am just a practitioner. And um, how I see shamanism playing a role today is that it's an all-encompassing modality. It deals with the mind, body, and spirit. And with the high rate of pharmaceuticals today, that has kind of overtaking traditional 
hypnotherapy or counseling. It seems like we're all turning to pharmaceuticals. Um, shamanism is a great way to quickly move through that and get the person to be able to open their eyes to see that it's an energetic problem from trauma that can be healed through, you know, some traditional counseling or hypnotherapy or other modalities versus a pill. Yeah. So does it seem, um, does it seem like you with the, the people that you work with are, are the majority of them dealing with, um, situations that have them taking, um, lots of pharmaceuticals? Yes. Yes. So that, that question and might've been maybe not quite what you expected, but when I lived in California, it was very unfortunate. I had, I had quite a few people that were either taking too much pain medication or too many antidepressants. And unfortunately, they were starting to lose control because of the medication. So I did deal with quite a bit of that. Or I would have people coming to me because they did not want to go down that route, but they were really slipping and they needed to do something. Are they, um, are they generally then coming to you as um, an addition to or an adjunct to the therapies and treatments that they're already receiving? A lot of people that come to me are not getting the results that they're looking for. They're not getting their desired result through traditional counseling. Some people have even come to me because they were not getting results that they were seeking through uh, full-blown psychologists. So people pretty much have found me because it's, it's, they're kind of at their last rope. And at that point, they're just like, I'll try whatever. So it, it, it's been very interesting, the people that have come out of the woodwork to seek the shamanic type healing. They, they're just, they're hitting a wall. And they can't break through that wall. And they're getting really, really stuck through, the, through what they have available to them, like the traditional, you know, a lot of people go to Kaiser Permanente or, you know, they're just stuck in the medical system and, and they're not getting the full spiritual aspect of it. So there's, there's a lot of missing pieces coming through the traditional, traditional right. Western. Yeah. Do, do you think that's, um, connected to a misunderstanding in the, uh, ultimate causation of disease and illness or um, what's at the foundation of it, as opposed to it being considered something physical and symptomatic that we can, um, you know, go after with a, a medication that addresses the the physical body. Instead, uh, with your approach, you're going after a spiritual or um, energetic foundation at the the root of the disease. Is that correct? Absolutely. So, anytime anyone comes for an ailment, we usually have to do a lot of backtracking to really kind of navigate through the mind and the ego to get to that original point of, I call it the original point of trauma or that suppressed memory that's actually causing 
everything else from the present into the future to kind of slip and fail and create blocks. So we're, we're going back to the, the original point of trauma to clear that. Is this something that you are yourself guiding your clients um, through their own journey or are you journeying for them? What's the, uh, what's the typical experience like um, going through this process? Generally, I take them on their journey because just in, in my personal opinion, I feel that if they're able to do the work themselves, they get more out of it opposed to, you know, somebody just laying there sitting, you know, in a recliner and I'm doing the journey and then I'm coming out telling them what I saw, which is, it's very normal in shamanic practices and I'm not knocking that, but for me, I like to take them on a journey and lead them up to what they need to discover. And it never fails. It, it, they will always make that discovery, whether it's a past life or a soul piece or um, a power animal, their inner child. They will, uh, 99% of the time, they will find it on their own. So I am taking them, you know, into an altered state of consciousness. I am doing all that. I'm getting them comfortable enough to be able to go under into a, a deeper brainwave. And then... I lead them, but they're doing all the self-discovery. Yeah, something that, that really kind of separates the way our culture functions um, as opposed to the way the indigenous cultures function is that, um, that ability to put their full trust in the shaman's experience um, as kind of like... A, almost like the word of God where, where they bring that experience back the shaman and delivers that to the patient that they're working on their, their, um, indigenous, uh, patient is able to accept that. Whereas in our modern culture, people want to experience it themselves, don't they? Exactly. And I also do that because there's, there's charlatans out there. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't want to be that person that one, you hit it, we're not going to be able to accept what the quote shaman has come up with in this modern society. And, and two, I don't, I don't want the person, because I'm just a practitioner, I don't want the person to look at me like some sort of guru, guru and create some sort of codependent relationship because they need to be liberated to know that they can get deep enough into their psyche, into their soul to discover what it really is. I mean, I'm, I'm fully adamant about always working with a facilitator, but the person has the power to find their own answers. Okay. In a sense, then, are you um, kind of initiating these people into the, the way of the shaman themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And so, so the journey is very guided, but absolutely they, they find everything that they need to on the journey. And sometimes they, they jump ahead and then they start leading the journey and they're telling me, you know, all these other ancestors are coming in or, you know, I'll lead them to find a power animal, but the power animal has already 
showed up before right. I've gotten them there or, you know, so, so they'll skip ahead, which is, is really special because it just shows that no time really is not linear. We can step out and go from the past to the present within this dimension, just by altering our state of conscious consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that happens in hypnotherapy all the time too. Um, sometimes yeah. I just have people laughing in the chair because the, the moment I say something like the, the second the word comes out of my mouth, that thing happens in their experience or I'll be uh, guiding them through something. And by the time I get done, say counting them down or something, they're already done with the entire journey. And uh, it's, it's interesting how that works because, you know, here we are and we, we speak linearly our even our language follows a, a linear path with word order and everything like that yet the mind can be in a completely different state especially when we get the ego and the conscious mind out of the way wouldn't you say oh absolutely absolutely and you know i've had hypnotherapy from my very good friend Lori mcdonald I, she's given me some hypnotherapy sessions and i had some years and years ago and it is so similar to the shamanic work. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same state of mind that you're getting into and how you just everything lets go and this whole flood of information comes in. It, in my experience, it's been very, very similar. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, that's one of the reasons why I, I ended up getting into hypnotherapy in the first place. And, um, you know, I'm curious because, uh, you know, it's often the case in most tribal contexts that when people get into the path of the shaman or the way of the shaman, that there's usually something that triggers that, some kind of catalyzing event like a, an illness or seizures or some, some kind of spiritual crisis or something like that that triggers it and either alerts the shaman of the village to their um, ability or their, their destiny to be a shaman. Um, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's spontaneous or a life threatening event or something like that that happens. Did you have anything like that, 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 uh, kind of initiated you first or brought you into, um, uh, contact with the way of the, the shaman with the shamanic path? Absolutely. And I just had a huge realization. It's going to go right back to the very first question you asked me. And I went into the pharmaceuticals. Mm. So I grew up very ill. I mean, I was sick all the time. I had tonsillitis. Uh, I had major stomach issues. To top it off, I was bullied. So by the time I hit high school, obviously, you know, there was depression going on. So I was on antidepressant. Nothing was helping. And I discovered shamanism. So... I was really going downhill. I can tell you with a lot of faith and a lot of confidence that if I didn't find shamanism, I would have probably either been pretty much in drug comatose right now, or I would have had that awful surgery where they take out half of your intestines because my stomach was so messed up. So I, I kind of feel like shamanism saved my life. And, and I say that very seriously because I am in the best health that I've ever been in depression. It's like, what is that? It, 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 everything is very, I mean, of course you go through life and things happen, but the way you deal with things after being on the path is so different 
than, than how I used to be. So, so that was pretty much what led me into this path. That self-healing aspect of it is now kind of what you're delivering to your clients, isn't it? Yes. Now, I, I do believe that you should have a facilitator because when you don't, just like if somebody's trying to work through a problem with hypnotherapy, you know you have to do the hypnotism to, to work around the ego. Right. And, and so, you know, I have a lot of people go, oh, well, I'm doing my own self-work. You know, I just had a shamanic session for me the other day by uh, somebody that I do trades with, another practitioner, and it's like, no, the places that shamanism or hypnotherapy or anything getting in the altered state can get you, I don't believe you can do that on your own. I just, I don't. I mean, I can journey on my own and I can do a lot of stuff on my own just like everybody can, but when you're really getting down into the dirty shadow that you need to clear, I feel like you need a facilitator. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's there's probably a couple different factors in play there. I think one of them is uh, the fact that we have to be able to get out of our own way. And um, another is I think there's some sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a universal law or what, but it seems like our power is magnified when we're doing something for the good of another person. I would have to agree with that. Um, also, when we are doing the, these, these self-healing and the self-discovery, when there's another person present, they become a witness. Mm. So in the quantum field, it's, now you have a witness, so now that healing is going to solidify even more. That's a good so point. So not only in your practice, like you're just not the hypnotherapist, you're the witness. Right. At just like studies that have been done on, on meditation and, and things like that, when you have groups of people, more than one person, putting their intention and their power into a situation, it does increase the effectiveness um, and the just the, the general power of the consciousness involved, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, every time I do a group journey, it never fails. They'll there will always be like two people sitting together and it's so ironic because they always have the same story and they'll always come up with a matching power animal. Mm. I mean, it's been like a hundred percent in every single group journey that I've done. There will be two people that gravitate towards each other with the same story. And then they pick out the same power animal <laughs> and, and they're, they're in a trance. Like they don't know, what animal they're getting until we come out and we discuss it. Right. So it, it's th that, that meditative consciousness, you know, whatever is really happening, how we're really going into like this higher collective state. It, it, uh, I a hundred percent believe in that. Absolutely. And as well as with the intention, you know, just like you, when someone comes in, it's like the, you full on set the intention they're going to break through that barrier or that block or that program. And I believe that as we set our intention as facilitators and therapists, it, it actually helps the client push through even stronger. Okay. Yeah. Do you, you said you work with groups. Do you also work with um, like families and stuff like that? Not in a group. No. Um, I've had different family members, 
come in, but I've never worked with a whole family unit at mm. one time. Okay. Um, what do you find to be the, uh, the most interesting aspect of the work that you do? What's your favorite uh, type of healing work? It is absolutely hands down soul retrieval. I, I am so obsessed with soul retrieval right now. And I don't know if that is just my gift or if that's really what the client needs. But out of all the work that I do, the soul retrieval is the one that produces the quickest and most permanent results. Okay, and within that um, that context of soul retrieval, is there a specific um, type of teaching or um, that you use, or a specific type of um, tradition that you use in your shamanic practice, or is it, or do you take more of kind of like a an eclectic approach? I was trained by somebody who came out of the Four Winds, which is more Peruvian based, and then I've studied a lot under the Caro which are the medicine men and women of the high Andes. So everything is more Peruvian based, but I've done so much other stuff in the background and different classes through different shamanic practitioners that it becomes eclectic. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty much Peruvian based, but it can, it's fluid. You know, other things coming in and out of that. Yeah, so the, the foundation of it is the, the Peruvian tradition. Yes, and so that means I carry a mesa, which is a medicine bundle with 13 stones that represent the lunar calendar and the feminine. So that's a very Peruvian thing. And then I, I actually use the rattle to clear the chakra, and I burn the sage. So it's very much an experience. When when you're coming in with per, as it, when you're coming in in the physical to get a session, it's a huge experience because then I wrap it up with the Palo Santo and the rose water. So there's a lot of traditional stuff going on. Yeah, and the, all these all these steps are part of the the technique, part of the way of kind of setting up and and priming for the experience of the ritualism the healing the expectation of going into the altered state so all of these things are they're part of claiming that sacred space right absolutely and it's it's and i love to joke around i love to have fun and all of a sudden you know i'm working with people remotely i mean a bunch of people from Canada and just throughout the United States. So I'm starting to work remotely and, and like a couple sessions later, I just started laughing. It's like, so I lay out my chakra stones on the table, but I literally walk around the table just like the person is in here in the physical. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm, you know, working with a person remotely and I have my feet kicked up, I am still, and, and I must walk around that table like a hundred times because it, <laughs> it just kind of helps me get in the zone too. Like it becomes ritualistic and I walk around um, counterclockwise to unwind and I burn my sage. And so it's very, the ritual stays no matter if the person is in the physical or in another state, the ritual always happens. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? It sounds like, um, it sounds like you get 
as much out of this work as as they do. It, you know, it it is so rewarding, and and I I am I'm I I love to have fun. So part of getting somebody to go so deep on my end is just I, I have to make them laugh. Like I mean, we go through every emotion. We laugh, we cry, you know. But it's it's once you kind of get somebody to to loosen up a little bit with laughter, mm. there's this whole element of trust in letting go. Even though we could be working with something incredibly serious, like I've worked with some really horrific abuse cases, but even in that point, like if you can get them to crack a smile or laugh, it's like they're seeing a ray of sunshine in the shadow. Yeah, so it's it's a process of bringing you and the the client together in a shared experience whether you're together in the same room or in on opposite parts of the planet then absolutely i mean there's a huge connection to me to be made with every single client and and even though it's professionally done Mm -hmm. it's that intimate and personal i mean you i have to be as vulnerable as they are because we have to be on that same, I'm not sure if frequency is the right word, but we have to be on that same trust honor system because, and I'm very upfront with people, the deeper you go, the more you'll get out of it. And it is so very true. Hmm. So, I mean, I have to wear, I mean, I'm always authentic, but you know, I have to wear a lot of different hats to, to match their personality or, you know, to navigate the session to go very smoothly. I, you know, I have to really pick up on their personality and read them too. And I've had some very, very uh, conservative, very conservative people come in and, you know, very unsure of the process. And you got to just really kind of get in there, feel their energy uh, look at their personality and kind of be the navigator to, you know, kind of steer them into that comfort zone. You have to get them comfortable out of their comfort zone. So it's, it can be tricky, but I mean, I, I love it and I always give it 100% and it is absolutely the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. How do you know? What's the what's the feeling for you? Um, what's the experience like for you when you finally feel or notice that um, you and your client are now in tune with each other in that way where you can now go forward to the next step? What's that like when you've brought you and the person you're working with into harmony with each other? Hmm. That's interesting. It's it's a knowing, but I'm trying to pinpoint that feeling. It's like it no longer becomes like a client practitioner. It, it's more of like something switches to where you're just now on the same team. There's no more labels. There, there's no more division. You're just a team player trying to reach the common goal. Okay. Yeah, this is something that like I talk the, about on the show a lot. A boundary dissolution is what uh, is what 
Terrence McKenna called it, the, the dissolving of boundaries between you and other people. It's something that you feel and, and it's, it's, uh, it's a noticeable and unambiguous feeling, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know when it's like unconditional love? Mm. You just reach this point where it's, it's unconditional love. I mean, I actually had a combat soldier come in, and I'm very much for peace. And I was a little triggered. And, you know, the more we worked together, the more I got into his story the more the labels just stripped away and all of a sudden you're just like this, this person is, is just a, another aspect of myself. Mm. And this person is my brother or my sister and I have nothing but unconditional love. So you just reach that point And then at that point, it just, the flow happens and you just get into this complete synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah. That, that really is the, the root of it, isn't it? If you're, if you're going to be able to heal these, these people or help to help, help them to heal themselves, there has to be that unconditional love connection there, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the interesting thing about that is I, <laughs> before I got on my path, you know, I was very opinionated and just I think holding space for so many different stories, people, experiences, it really kind of cuts you off at the knees. And it's like, who am I to judge? Mm. Who, like, you, you see the standard person at the grocery store walking down the street. Then you hear what they're enduring behind closed doors or what they've been through. And it is so humbling. It is so humbling that it's just like, I, who am I like to even judge what you've been through or even have an opinion for what you've been through? But it's on a bigger level, it's really made me hold peace for a lot of my friends that are really upset about politics right now and other things that you begin to be the pillar of calmness to them. Yeah. Good point. We never really can, fully understand what has led up to another person's decisions, can we? No, not at all. And it's just given me so much compassion for people. I mean, I thought I had it pretty rough in some points of my life. Oh, no. Some of the stories that I hear, and then, then you're looking at these people, and you're like, wow, I don't, I don't think I could have made it through what you went through and you're still holding it together. You might not be holding it together very well, but you're holding it together. And, and that's just amazing. It's so hopeful. Like humanity is so strong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's incredible. So, um, you know, when you, when you finally get to that point where you and your client are, um, in tune with each other, what, type of um what type of techniques do you use to induce the trance state do um do you stick to the traditional drumming chanting things like that or or do you also incorporate some of the other uh ways of of inducing trance states uh that that are used in the the modern 
healing uh, modalities such as um, you know, hypnosis and, and things like that. What uh, what what tends to be the the first to the last um, approaches that you go for? So I I don't drum, believe it or not, because I find it really distracting. I, <laughs> and so I I do play flute music, mm. but I. I get them to go under by tradition, more along the lines of traditional modern hypnotherapy. I wouldn't say I count them down mm-hmm. like you may, but I do the whole, you know, becoming one with the table, um, the tables anchored into the ground. Like I, I've just come up with my own journey, but I talk them through it and it has been very effective. Can you explain um, what soul retrieval is, why it's necessary, um, how many people in our modern culture might benefit from it? You know, honestly, nine out of ten people that I work on need soul retrieval, including myself. I mean, I've had it, but I've, I've gone through the process. I am a big believer that 90% of us in humanity need soul retrieval. And is what that is from my teachings is the soul is a whole piece. But as we go through trauma or pain or suffering, a tiny fragment of a piece of us takes off. It flees for safety. It flees for protection. And when that happens, that's when those voids come up, those insatiable voids like drinking, alcohol, you know, like becoming an alcoholic, drug addiction, shopping addiction, gambling, sex addiction. Those are substitutes for a piece of the soul. You cannot substitute a piece of the soul. You have got to retrieve that soul piece. And I am so adamant about that. And I've seen such profound changes. So when I have a client and I I get them regressed, well, first we talk. So we figure out what the problem is like traditional talking Mm -hmm. into their story, but then I get them regressed. And usually the soul piece is from this lifetime. So it usually goes back down into childhood. And that is a lot of work of what I do is bringing back that inner child. Uh, Sometimes the soul piece, I usually do soul pieces in this lifetime. If I have done soul retrievals on past lives, I've even done soul retrievals on entities. So if, if there's an entity attachment on a person and you remove it, and the entity comes back, which is what happened with a woman and her ex-husband. I had to literally do a soul retrieval on the entity so the entity could permanently leave this realm. And I've had to do that a couple times, and it's very effective. Okay, so you're actually you're actually helping to heal the entity so the entity can go on so the person can heal. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes, it's 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 crazy, and that was self-taught. So, in a sense, that's also an extraction healing at the same time. Yes. So you're bringing something back and 
removing something at the same time for two different um, two different soul loss clients. In certain cases, that's not standard, but in certain right. cases, absolutely. So the person has an attachment. We we bring the energy of that attachment in to be healed. So then obviously I journey to get that soul piece, right? Right. We bring it back into the entity. Then we send the entity to the light. And that has been the most effective uh, modality in my practice for permanent entity removal. Wow. That's fascinating. Because when you first, you know, I wasn't taught that. And so I, I learned this because I had a woman come to me and she was actually a friend and her ex-husband had been killed and attached himself to her. And I didn't really want to work with a friend. So I sent her to somebody else who removed the entity. But about three months later, the entity came back and she the was going to go her to her ex-husband. Her ex-husband. So okay. she was going to go to the town psychic and pay 700 bucks. I said, no, you're not. You, I'm going to do this. And we, I literally, that was what taught me to do the soul retrieval on the entity. And she said that when she went home that night, it was like a huge veil had been ripped off her eyes. And she saw her, her new husband totally differently, in a good way, totally differently. You know, three or four years later, I asked her, I said, hey, you know, I just want to make sure your ex-husband never reattached. No, it never did. Wow. So she she must have had this attachment for a while then, right? If she, she got remarried yes. and everything? Yes. Wow. What she a did. liberation. She had a so wow. I, I do do the entity extractions, but, you, you know, that's, that's interesting that that came up. That's, that's not totally where my heart is, is, is what I'm really trying to do is get people whole and their soul pieces back on this plane of existence in this physical reality so we can heal our physical reality, which obviously ripples into different dimensions. And this even brings me to how do we treat the earth? Like, are we trashing it? Are we using plastic bags? Are we being unconscious? Uh, I believe that if we are whole, our decisions become more enlightened and more rewarding. And Sandra Ingerman, who's the queen of soul retrieval, I mean, she's been around for years. She wrote a really beautiful uh, passage in this interview about soul retrieval. And as we bring our soul pieces back, we bring back the soul of the earth. And that just struck me to the core. Wow. Yeah, that was um, that was actually going to be my next question was, uh, can we do a soul? Re can we do soul retrieval on the earth in order to heal the environment or heal certain um aspects of the biome certain ecosystems etc to uh start trying to repair some of the damage that we've done because of our own uh, disconnection with our with ourselves because of our own soul loss i would say 110 percent yes absolutely and 
it's interesting because as your work goes, I'm sure stuff comes up and you're like, wow, that, that wasn't in the book, you know, let me source. And I, I had this really amazing young woman come in with relationship issues, right? It's never about the relationship. So we start on the journey and all of a sudden I could literally feel the room getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And I was like, whoa. So through the journey, she started to heal her mother's side of the family. Then her father's side of the family came in, but then all of the ancestors came in. And it was all of the women from both sides of this woman's family. So all of a sudden we had to leave the room, you know, in the journey and, and go to a meadow. And we invited all of the women ancestors in who wanted to be healed by free will. And we invited them all in and, and we did this whole soul retrieval piece. And it was, it was so amazing. And I, I do really believe that work like that ripples back in time. Mm. Um, it's the same thing with theta healing. But then I did a women's retreat and we we're doing the divine feminine. And I did a group soul retrieval on each of the women there. I did it as a group and the stuff that came up for them and the stuff that was released for them, it was not all there. So I am a firm believer that soul retrieval can actually be done for the collective on an individual or in a group, but always, always the ancestors or the, you know, People invited in the feminine. Uh, we've done we've done it on slavery. We've done it on so many different things, but they're always welcome by free will only. I want to <laughs> always by their free will because so many people out there just throw their energy all around and right. I you got to be careful. Yeah, I'm getting an image of kind of like a. Um a concentric ring type of system of soul of consciousness going out from, from the individual to um, say uh, their, their family to the community, to, you know, the, the city, to the state, to the, the entire nation or national culture or whatever, and, and going out even further to, you know, the, the entire earth out to the entire galaxy and, and on to, and, and what I'm, what I'm wondering is, is it possible that there is something like, say, the soul of America and the soul of America has suffered soul loss because of terrible things that have happened here and terrible things that are that we've done to other cultures or something like that? And, and is it possible to heal the missing or damaged soul of a culture as well? Wow, that is very interesting. And I've never been asked that question. But since I have done healings on, you know, like African slavery and the Holocaust and the feminine, even to the point of, of drug trafficking. I would absolutely say, why not? Yeah. Absolutely. And culturally, I mean, it hurts me so bad to think of how much suffering is out there, but on a cultural level, I have heard stories about 
I think it was in the theta healing modality, though, which I've studied, but I guess it doesn't really matter. But some facilitator had gone into the tribes of Africa, and the African women, and these were really low-income tribes, were able to purge on such an ancestral level that the results for the whole community had shifted. Well, then I, I guess it seems like that, that that is something that's going on as we heal, even the individual. We're sending out healing ripples, in a sense, that's touching everybody else, even into the past and, and, and into the future. You know, I, I totally believe that. And when I do the DNA clearing, which is another thing that I do, my client will actually have ancestors come in that they've never met but they've been told stories about. And when an ancestor comes in, you you know it. You you know it's your family. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. So there was another woman who came in, we did the whole DNA thing, and it traced back to generations back, um, generations back when the great 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 grandmothers was was a prostitute and would abandon her kids my client had never even seen pictures of of this great 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 grandmother but she came in for the healing and then my client starts telling me that her the great great grandmothers the prostitute mother came down from heaven for an additional healing within her journey so I believe that every healing ripples out because we are purging. Like my problem is everybody's problem. Mm. So when we release that, even on a smaller scale, I'm helping the collective out because I'm healing that aspect of me. Yeah, that makes sense. And and some of these, some of these traumas that we are are still carrying around are are because of things that have happened. Uh, to our ancestors, which would make it would make sense why um, somebody who is doing a, a soul retrieval now would go back to something like the Holocaust or something like the the times of slavery in America, because people are still hurting now from things that happened hundreds of years ago, or fifty years ago, or sixty years ago, and even centuries ago. Absolutely, and it's creates a marker, a replicating marker in the DNA. I had a really horrible time with racism to, to the point where I couldn't even, or slavery, I'm sorry, I couldn't even go to school in high school when they were showing some film on African slavery. It, it, I couldn't do it. I started to get anxiety. It was making me sick to my stomach. I stayed home from school because I could not watch the movie they were going to show. And I didn't grow up with any racism. I'm white. I grew up on a farm. So where did this come from? And I started to do a little exploring, and it came from a past life that I experienced in the South on a plantation. And, And once I was able to go, oh, okay, now I'm having this past life memory. Now I'm seeing why I'm like this now let me work on this and heal it. it. It didn't make me feel more wounded to re-experience that. It made me have more compassion for the perpetrators that were causing the harm. 
And so once I was able to be like, oh, don't feel, don't feel bad for the slave, like the, the perpetrator is what you want to heal. They're the ones with the problem. Then that nauseousness and the anxiety went away in this lifetime. That's an interesting concept because it really is the, uh, it really is the perpetrator who is actually spreading the trauma. So, uh, do you think that by healing the perpetrator, you're actually able to, to do much, a much grander healing work because, um, then that healing is able to reach out to what all the souls that, that that perpetrator traumatized? I so believe that, but I've really not had, I've not had someone come in and say, hey, I beat my kids. I mean, you know what I mean? And I'm not making light of it, but I've, I've not dealt with a perpetrator, but I firmly believe that the perpetrator is acting out because they're wounded. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I dealt with somebody with sexual addiction in their family, and we had to trace back where that came from. And this was actually traced back, again, it's another slavery story, was actually traced back to being on the plantation, and this great-great-grandfather was um, sexually abusing slaves. Mm-hmm. He was white. And so we did a whole healing on that, but it had rippled all the way down these generations into sexual abuse. I mean, that's awful. It's awful the burden that people today carry of their ancestors. So even, you know, even the the march, the women's march that just went on for human rights and stuff, absolutely. Like, do something. Absolutely. But Again, it focused so much, like, I mean, I fully supported it, but it was more like, we're, there's all these victims, but there's always going to be victims until the perpetrators heal themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like if we shifted our focus, we would have better results. Hmm. Interesting. In the, uh, in, the, in the work that you do, do you get any kind of... Um insight on what the soul actually is and what 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 the mechanics of soul loss are um how how is a piece of soul actually separated from the main body of spirit and where does it go let me start backwards okay i think it goes into just another dimension it just disconnects from us. It just, it could be trapped in the underworld. So with shamanism, we deal a lot with the middle world, the upper world, the lower world. A lot of soul pieces can get trapped in the lower world. Mm-hmm. I think soul pieces can be floating around in this dimension and we're just disconnected from it. I mean, I, I feel like if we had magic glasses to see all the dimensions around us, we'd be quite quite alarmed with what's really going on. And as far as the mechanics, you know, I don't know. There's so much theory out there, but again, you're trying to measure something that you can't see. Mm -hmm. So I base most of my work on 
getting the client the absolute best result. And the soul retrieval is what works best. But I'm telling you, bringing that lost piece in. And, and now how my sessions run is that lost piece, it, it could be an inner child, which is what I do a lot, is the inner child. But sometimes the soul piece could show up as any sort of form, like a positive form. It could show up <clears throat> as um, a crystal or some people get like balls of light or doves, you know, a, mm-hmm. some sort of object. So it could show up as that piece, which is, is it's just a metaphor. It's right. not really, hey, a piece of my soul was a bird. It's just a metaphor. But bringing that, blowing it into the crown chakra and anchoring it into the heart and making sure that that soul piece is taken and I've actually had inner children who did not want to come home right. back to their adult self. And I've had to literally do light activations on my client and the soul piece to finally get the soul piece to agree to come back. Yeah, I've experienced that uh, that situation myself and found that uh, sometimes the the piece of, of lost energy is afraid um, of being rejected or feeling being unwelcome or, um, j- afraid that, that they might, that it might experience that trauma again, or that even the, the person is mad at them for leaving. Um, when you, when you go and you, or the, or your client comes in contact with this, um, lost piece of their, their vital energy of their soul, um, do you instantly see a change in them when they've been reunified, when the two parts, the the majority and the missing piece come back together again? Usually I do. And, you know, Ian, I think, I think you're a little bit more um, on target with that. I mean, we're, shamanically speaking, we're, we're very adamant that it's a soul piece. And when you get into the, the theta healing, the theta healing, it's, it's a fraction of your soul. It's another soul piece. But it is energy. It is absolutely energy. And I, I think that's almost an easier concept for a broader audience to accept. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that lost energy, that soul piece, however you want to label it. I have, I have literally seen people change. Not everybody has the same uh, level of noticeable change. You know, a lot of times I'll check in with them a couple of weeks later and they've had change, you know, but it's kind of crept in. But there has been times when I have literally like the person looks different after mm. and, and their actions are totally different. Like I worked with some woman that was just completely terrified of everything, brought in the soul piece. And I was at a conference and I, I couldn't believe she was an extreme case, but I could not believe how her mannerisms changed from bringing back that soul piece or lost energy. And I watched her all weekend because I, I just couldn't believe the calmness that she had. She was very um, suffering from a lot of anxiety. And like I said, she just was terrified. She was so calm the rest of the weekend, and she was smiling. It, you know, it's like this this work is so 
profound. And even when I did the inner child through the lady I had hypnotherapy with, same thing. The work, this work is so profound, getting into the psyche, getting into the altered states of consciousness and dimensions that, I mean, th this is the way to go. <laughs> I just, this is the way to go. It, for me, at least, and the people that seek out this kind of help, this soul retrieval or this bringing back of the energy can just completely reprogram somebody. That's incredible. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that shift that takes place in somebody when they when they're finally reunited with their their lost um, soul, it, that that piece of them that that was lost um, you know, you, you mentioned inner child work, um, that piece of them that was lost may have been lost for decades, right? Absolutely. Yes. Decades. So a, a lot of our, a lot of our soul loss takes place when we're children, because unfortunately when we're children, that's also when, um, a lot of the trauma that we experience happens, isn't it? Well, <laughs> absolutely. But here's the scary thing about that is it doesn't have to be trauma how you and I would label trauma these days. Mm -hmm. I've had, and this is the scary thing also about being a parent because we all lose it with our kids once in a while, but right. I have literally had a few clients come in who never experienced major trauma but they, they had these issues like feeling unsafe and insecure and, you know, things that just you don't want to carry around anymore. Right. Those several people that came in with, you know, so-so issues, we regressed them and tracked them back to when they first felt that. And it was really minor things that came up. And they were so embarrassed. I'm like... Don't beat yourself up. Like one person who was a cop and be, and was a retired cop, you know, but he was a cop for years, never felt safe. Is all that program was was that when he was three years old, his five-year-old sister locked him out of the house. Hmm. You and I both know, like whatever, you know, you got locked out of the house. Your sister's inside. You're you're basically safe. But to a three-year-old, that's yeah. a really big deal. Well, that, that's so, the thing, you know, in, in hypnotherapy, we talk about suggestibility, but if you're in a stage when you're, when you're a child or, or even an adult, if you're extremely hyper-suggestible at a certain point and you experience something even remotely scary or even remotely traumatic, it can have a, a deeply um, affecting result. It can create something very uh, kind of out of out of the uh, expectation as far as, you know, how how badly it can affect somebody. If you're extremely hyper-suggestible at the time, and most children do spend a lot of their time in a hyper-suggestible state, um, you know, just, just one phrase, uh, if spoken in a certain tone of voice or, you know, one, one phrase, if delivered to the child with, the, with a certain look on their parent's face, it can affect them for the rest of their life. That's what a lot, a lot of people don't realize that. You, you know, and, and I'm glad you brought it up that way because 
that is so true. That program can be slipped in so easily. And yeah, another woman that I worked with, just this really bad insecurity is all that happened was her father forgot to pick her up from ice skating practice when she was little, you know? And, and so people can't be turned away from seeking help because they, they haven't been abused or molested or raped or something tragic, these, these programs can be mild or these suggestions can be mild, but they can make a big, big problem in your life. Yeah. It just grows. And, and so I feel like hypnotherapy or shamanism or anything getting you into that altered state is healthy for everybody because we've all picked up stuff through our life experiences. Yeah, it kind of it kind of brings us back to that that um, statement that you you can never really judge or understand another person's problems, can you? If one person's problem can be as por- as important to them as another person's problem, and to to somebody on the outside, one might seem a thousand times worse, but to that person, their problem, their trauma, their their issue is important to them. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I just feel that if the world really knew that, I, I feel like we'd have a lot of a rapid change. Mm. I mean, even, you know, you see it all the time, you know, you're, you're in a restaurant and someone screws up or someone cuts you off on the highway or they don't make your coffee right. And, and we get angry and we throw daggers at them. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Did their mother just die? Are they going through a divorce? Like what's, what's going on? Because right. they're acting or, or they're not acting how we would expect because there's something wrong. And I feel like if we reverse engineered a lot of our thought process, we would have so much more compassion. Instead of, wait, you didn't, you know, I didn't get my service to self the way I wanted it, you know, and now I'm going to backlash at you. It's like, no, have compassion because the mistake that this person just made is a huge indicator that there's something going on and and you might as well be kind and help bring comfort than to get upset and angry yeah good point so after you've um, after you've completed a uh, a soul retrieval or or any kind of session any kind of healing with somebody what is the continuing process do you do follow up work with them to reinforce or to continue the the cleansing or to um, facilitate full acceptance of the returned piece of their their spirit what do you um, tend to recommend as the continuing process after your your healing is complete so is what I do is when the soul piece is back we'll just go with the inner child because we'll just use that example so when okay. the inner child's back I then do a light activation and then somewhere along the journey we pick up a power animal. And so when my client is finished with the session, that night I'll type up I am statement. And the I am statement, you know, I am unconditional love and whatever fits the session. They say that out loud three times a day for 30 days by free will that's the reprogram. That's what's really anchoring in the work. And their voice is their vibration. Mm. So I follow up with 
I, I give them the session immediately, like the session type up, and then they're to, I instruct how you link up with your power animal <clears throat> to use the light activation that we used. Maybe like, it might be, I just did one, we used blue light for serenity and what have you. So they're able to use that light, the power animal, and check in with their inner child. And I try to keep them going for a couple months. You know, they can check in, but, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole goal is to liberate them. So I, I, I try to do my sessions so they last, you know, they, they last a few months. Hmm. And, and if they need more work, they will come back. But the whole thing is to get them liberated. And I'm fully there to support them. It's not like I'm kicking them out of the nest. But I try to give them enough information and, and homework that they can keep the work going. And then that builds confidence. It builds um, confidence in their healing abilities, trust in their selves and their, their intuition and you know, sometimes they call me back, no, I need to come in sooner. And sometimes they can wait a little longer. And um, I'm always just there to support them. Okay. In your opinion, is it necessary or um, is it helpful if the subject fully believes that the experience is actually literally real? Or is the symbolic and emotional aspect of the experience the most important factor in the healing? You know, I, it's so interesting because we do create our own reality and I find that well, one, if somebody doesn't believe in the work, they're not going to come see me. Like if, if you don't believe that, you know, I'm, I'm going to clear your chakra with a rattle and burn some sage and take you on a journey. If, if you're just like, no, I'm going to go take a pharmaceutical instead. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Then, you know, so the people that do come, most of them are 100% on board. Some are kind of skeptical, and so we'll take it slower. So I'm working with a woman tomorrow who's just like, I don't understand. Like, I need way more outline, way more construction. I don't get it. So it's like, okay, we're just going to lead you in with a very short session, and then we'll build up. So people definitely <clears throat> are coming in for change. I believe the metaphoric part of it, like the realm of, of seeing the energy flow and the metaphors that do come up, the symbols, I believe that that strikes a chord so deep in people that they become bigger believers in the work. And a lot of people that get this work then tend to really start getting on a rapid and accelerated awakening path. Okay, so, so some level of openness to it. Um, is kind of one of the, I guess the first step in at least getting them through the door, right? You know, yes, but now that I'm thinking back when I first started and I just needed to practice, I would work, I would just grab people, you know, like I, I got to practice this. Mm -hmm. And some of them would just be, you know, I'm just doing you a favor. And, and they would they would come back saying that, you know, things had changed. I personal, I believe that stuff is really happening. I mean, even when I have a friend call me up on the phone really quick and there something just went wrong, I'll just pendulum test. Is it 
first chakra, second chakra, I'll go through the chakra system mm -hmm. and then, you know, oh, it's your third chakra, you know, whatever. We'll like within 10 minutes, we'll just work through this energy and pendulum test it and they're more stable. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that this work is real and that yes, the more open you are to it, the better experience you're going to have and the greater change that you're going to have. But Looking back at it now, if you're a non-believer, it's still doing something. Yeah. Because I've 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 seen it. Well, we we've seen. Um, I mean, we see all throughout the the world how um, people can deny what's right in front of their faces anyway. Um, so you know, being being open or not being open to something doesn't necessarily uh, create or deny their ability to receive benefit from it. I think, um, one of the, one of the most important aspects of, um, you know, what you've mentioned during this, this conversation so far is the aspect of shared experiences, um, between two people who are on their own journey within their own minds, um, and coming out of it and both of them saying that they had experienced the same thing. And, um, that type of experience tends to suggest that there is uh, a realm or a dimension of some sort that that exists independent of our belief and independent of of our um, creative input on it and and that there is something there that is existing separate from our existence and separate from our belief in it. Would you say that that's true as well as in, in your experience? Yes. Yeah, yes, I would. And I mean, even through our cultures, it, it shows that through religions and I'm not religious, but it, it shows that. So I, I definitely believe that there's an outer source for sure. You, you brought something up that was really important, uh, about linking up on the same journey, as I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. when, when we do forgiveness work, I always explain to the client that, yes, it, you're hurting yourself when you hold a resentment, but, but I, I believe, this is just my belief, that when you're holding resentment towards somebody else, you are holding them back from healing. Hmm. So I feel like when we're linked up on the same journey, Oh, and we're pulling the same power animals, I believe that that very same effect can happen <clears throat> when we hold resentment for somebody. I feel like we've got a hook in them that's holding them back from, from their own healing process. So I feel like our resentment is causing them damage. Yeah, that, that's an interesting metaphor with the hook also because um, one, of the, one of the expressions that, that I... Uh, use often is um to let them off the hook and because by letting them off the hook you're letting <laughs> yourself off the hook <laughs> Absolutely. because we can't do something to another person without it hurting us and that that energy definitely goes in both directions it, it really does and a lot of people who find that concept to be new or they haven't you know heard of that before I just tell them to take a before and after look at the president and how much they've aged in four years. Mm. 
And of course it's stressful, absolutely. But I believe it's because we always have an opposing party who is, you know, it's so easy to hate a president, no matter what side you're on, when you're giving your power to a politician. And, and I, I firmly believe that part of the reason why they're aging, not, not that that's not a stressful job or anything, but is because of all the negativity that they're getting put on them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see that. There's, it's just a, it's just a constant back and forth in, in every way with the, the push and pull of negativity, the push and pull of parties, one party and another, and, and just the constant resistance from every direction, the, the everything with the, the scandals and somebody always trying to sabotage you, um, trying to make you look bad. Yeah, I could, I could see that definitely. Yeah, you take on that energy. Oh, and and the other thing that you brought up too was whether people believe that the work works and does it does it still work on them? And as you know, we're hypnotized on a daily basis. Right. Just through, you know, and I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm talking about constant Oh, here, I'm going to go again. Pharmaceutical commercials. Like, we are literally being programmed that it's normal to be sick. Oh, yeah. that That's one of the, the very first episode of this podcast that I did. Um, episodes one and six were both on this topic. Six was part two. But episode one, um, Suggestibility and Propaganda, was oh. um, partially about um, pharmaceutical commercials. I, I analyze a pharmaceutical commercial in that episode in the context of the laws of suggestibility and how they use those um, those commercials to convince us that we're sick, to convince us that we need um, to be cured, and that the only way that we can be cured is to take these medications. And um, it's it's interesting because you know just twenty years ago um, there were there were no pharmaceutical commercials. Um, like that on on TV, and uh, you know the from when I remember back, even I felt um, more sane. <laughs> I guess you could say uh, it, it seemed like uh, like the entire world was just a lot less um, pathological. It seems like <laughs> just with with everything, with all the negative messages being flung around all the time. Um, people just, they don't know what's real anymore. And it's really hard to get a grasp on, on, you know, really what is real. And, and, you know, if our reality just is, is as uh, tenuous and, and unstable as the, the belief that something's real, if we all agree on it, um, which tends to be the, I guess, kind of the, the understanding of, of what reality is. Um, you know, we all agree on something, therefore it's real. We all have the same experience, therefore it's real. But, uh, unfortunately our, our experience, our belief of what's real can be shaped and is shaped by what we subconsciously believe and expect. And since what we subconsciously believe and expect, uh, including our, our levels of self-worth can be manipulated by television and propaganda, um, that would show and suggest that reality is a pretty flexible thing. Um, so, you know, in that context, we have as 
healing practitioners the ability to help people um, create their own reality in a better way. Yes. I could not agree more. And it, it's like opening up this realm into what possibility you want to plug your reality into. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's why I'm such a huge uh, fan of this work is because it, it just, it allow it allows you to change that perception. And once you change that perception, the frequency changes your reality shifts. Yeah. And yes, I, I can't add anything to what you just said. It was beautiful, and and I fully agree. And some some cultures call uh, shamans like magicians because it they're tricking you into a different reality. But if our reality is not pliable, that reality becomes the absolute truth for you. Yeah. And yeah, and I just yeah, I'm sitting back here, you know, watching all this fake news and all this politics, and it's like, you know, I I, I wish everybody would see that they're only plugging in to that reality or that belief by their own choice. Right. Yeah, and and through the manipulation of our. Uh, thought process and our decision-making process, we are actually tricked into choosing suffering. We are, we're actually tricked into choosing a world that is uh, less supportive of our own wellness, less supportive of our own best interest than the world that we uh, you know, could choose if the information that we had access to uh, were of a higher caliber, of a higher quality of um, you know, not, not in, not presented to us in a way where it would be impossible to make, uh, an informed decision because your, your informed decisions are only as good as the information they're based on. And if you can't tell the difference between truth and lies, then what good is your, what good is your free will and your ability to make a decision for yourself? Right. Absolutely. And I, I feel like through any healing art, you can come to that place of stillness where you can just be presented with information and you don't have to be intuitive or cling on to any labels, but you will just know what feels right for you. And I feel that the more garbage you're carting around in your, you know, your wounds of the past, or like you said, the self-worth, the insecurity, it, the more muddled your thought process is going to be for swinging into the correct information that's right for you. And I, 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 I know there's so much manipulation. I'm really big into the disclosure scene, and we can go into the Gwen Towers and just on and on and on in the programming. But, you know, we, we, we still have that free will. And I just think if people would become more centered and more connected back to the basics, I I feel like the manipulation would fall away rather quickly. Yeah, I think so too. Um, In fact, I think uh, that that's another another reason why the the work that you do 
is so important because it gives people that time of silence or that time of uh, quiet and um, decrease in the constant flow of stimulus from the external world and instead lets them turn within which is where the deeper answers are that's that's where the the experience that lets us come into the world after that as a more in touch person and that's what lets us be have the the fortitude and the clarity to turn away from the manipulation and instead decide what world we're going to create within ourselves on purpose Absolutely. And, you know, I just, I, I feel, I, I know, you know, cause you commented on my post, which was so beautiful um, last night, but thank you. It, absolutely. The, the secret is that is the secret. We create our own reality. And I, I just blogged this article on Tumblr like a couple weeks ago about how people will declare that they're broke or that they're, single or they don't have enough money but then when you ask that same person or anybody what they want they're, they're really meek about oh well you know they're real indecisive they will not declare what they want mm. but they're they will declare and be adamant about what it is that's negative and that they don't have and it, it's i've really been aware of people lately declaring out into the universe what it is they don't have. And it's like they're, they're getting exactly what they are asking for. The universe is just bouncing it right back to them. And it's like until you shift your words and your thoughts, you will continue to live in that scarcity, that poverty, that suffering. And right. it, well, that, that's the I am statement, right? I mean, that's yes, I am is. broke. I am single. I mean, what? Uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the the most powerful type of statement that you can make because you're you're saying this is a fact about who I am and what I'm doing and what my experience is is going to be like. But if you turn it around and you say I am healthy, I am abundant, then society says you're an ego. You know what I mean? So yeah. we we've been we've been manipulated into uh, not sharing what is good. Mm-hmm. And if if I'm abundant, then you must be abundant because we share the same. We are part of the same consciousness, right? So we could totally uplift people just through our words or tear them down by declaring so adamantly about what it is we don't have or how sick we are, whatever it is. And, and it's interesting. When I lived in California, I'd go hiking in this open space, and it used to drive me crazy because whether people passed me on horseback or other hikers, I would always, like, most of the time, the majority of the time, they would be talking about them being sick or someone else being sick or going to the doctor. And I'm, it would just not make my hike very fun. Wow. And, and it's, so you're out in nature, you're getting the best free medicine. You're Mm -hmm. getting the, the frequency from the trees, the grass, the wildlife, the sun, these light codes, and you're talking about how sick you are. It, it, It just, yeah, it's mind blowing. It's really interesting. 
Well, um, you know, this this being messages from the multiverse, this is uh, this is the place where we have the ability to bring in people like you who travel in the multiverse, who journey in the multiverse, and, and who facilitate the multiverse consciousness type of experience for other people. And so what I like to do after our conversations is to give you the opportunity to deliver a message to the multiverse. So if you had the opportunity, which is your opportunity right now, to deliver a message, to say something to all conscious, all sentient, all beings in the universe who share uh, the experience of uh, spiritual life and existence here, uh, what would you like to say to them? I, I would like to let all beings know that they're incredible and miraculous and we are all a source of unconditional love. Even the, the biggest perpetrator out there at the core, there, there is unconditional love somewhere in there. And I just wish that humanity would believe in itself more, that we would become more, I want to say, independent from the system and come together more as one community and just change change the shadows in, into the light because we all we all have that energy within us and 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 it's time like it it is time if there is not a better time now is the time to make that change great thank you well no thank thank you i just i didn't want to end the interview before we talked about your retreats. Can you, do, do you have any dates or anything like that that you'd like to mention? Or do you want to just send that over with your bio and stuff? And I can, I can announce that stuff in the, in the intro. It's up to you. What's easier. Uh, let's just talk about it right now. You also do intro. Uh, you also do retreats and um, group um, sessions and things like that. Do you, do you have anything coming up in the near future? I do. So I am doing a women's empowerment retreat with a very powerful hypnotherapist, Lori McDonald. And we are going to be on the island of Hawaii. And we will be doing a retreat. Let's see, it is February 28th through March 5th in Kona. And it's women only. We held... One last July, it went really well, and we just hold an incredibly safe, safe place for women to really go deep within and purge anything. We're very supportive. We do all-day workshops, guided meditation, shamanic journeys, empowerment tools. We feed and lodge everybody, so there's, there's three slots left, and that is coming up next month right after conscious life expo great so there's three available spots left and where can people yes. go to get um, access to that if they wanted to make a reservation for that they can go to feminine goddess retreat.com or they can just jump on my website which is sacred heart ascension okay and great. we will be doing a northern california retreat but we don't know when we're not sure, maybe in August in Shasta, but it's not solid. There you have it, everybody. 
sacredheartascension.com, and femininegoddessretreats.com. That concludes our episode on shamanic soul retrieval with Holly Marie of Sacred Heart Ascension. Please remember to subscribe to the show, leave your ratings and reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, or Facebook. And remember to refer anyone who might be interested in the show to Messages from the Multiverse. I want to thank you all for listening and supporting Messages from the Multiverse. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, email us at messagesfromthemultiverse at gmail.com or contact me on Facebook at Hypnotropia. Messages from the Multiverse is always free and can be found and subscribed to or followed at iTunes, Apple's iOS podcast app, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and at Hypnotropia.com. If you want to contact me regarding my hypnotherapy or shamanic practice, speaking engagements, educational seminars, presentations, and workshops, or any other reason, please visit Hypnotropia.com or email me at ian at Hypnotropia.com. You can find out all about me and the show on that website. And you can now play all the available episodes of this show right through the embedded SoundCloud player on our website by simply clicking the title of the show and scrolling down till you see the playlist. Until next time, honor and love yourselves, your fellow humans and sentient beings, and our planet. Be well.